Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 419 on Tuesday, the 10th of August, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be nudged into making better choices. We wonder how much longer the Rebel Alliance can hold together. And we find out exactly how martini stripes work on anything at all. And we go straight over to our correspondent when it comes to the sound of the swinging cymbals. Alan, new car <laughs> registration figures. Hi there, car pickers. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the new car registration figures for July came in just as we'd obviously just after we'd finished recording last week. And it is the weakest July performance since before the millennium. There is no time before then. Yes, just quite. <laughs> That's it. It's, it's not even since records began, though. No. There were 123,296 new cars registered. That is not awesome. It is down 29.5% uh, on last year. Remember, last year, July, was all of the pent-up demand. Yeah. From the first sets of lockdowns. So all of a sudden there was this blah of everybody registering all the vehicles that they hadn't been able to register, that had literally sitting on the lots that they hadn't been able to register since before then. This year, however, supply issues really are, are what's dragged that down. It's not so much that there's, well, there's not the same pent up demand to begin with, but there is a lag in basically availability of vehicles. If you go past or if you go near uh, any new car forecourt at the minute, you will see that it is really quite empty. Mm. Even with used cars, because it was the most, num the highest number of transactions of new cars ever, I think. Used cars. Uh, in, in, uh, used cars, pardon me. Yeah, yes, yeah. quite right. Highest number of used car transactions ever in, in July. And that's that's a combination of, of uh, the part of that is down to the fact that there are there are basically no new cars available. A quick question on that front about the used cars. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that you know the answer to this. but I possibly don't because I haven't read it in lots of detail for a couple of days. Yeah. Do you think if a company continues the lease of a car they've already got – once the contract ends, that counts as another, as a transaction, do you think? Because on I the one hand, I think it should, because oh. just because they happen to be the uh. same set of people. I don't know. I think you should get in touch with the SMMT press office and find out. Hmm. Because that, that, would, that, <laughs> that would answer quite why it is so high is because I know that yeah. there's lots of fleets that have just continued on with their cars because they know they can't get hold of newer ones that they were after. Mm -hmm. That's um, a really good point. That genuinely, that's a really good point and, and not any, not something I'd considered at all. So I, I genuinely don't know. I'll, I'll try I, and find I, out. And I, I will. Yeah, if you could, because I think that would be an interesting one because I've not heard anyone else expound that, uh, that opinion. Um just yet so that means i'm either mad Good or <laughs> mad or smarter than everyone else hmm. think, bit of occam's razor on that one you can guess which <laughs> yes still interesting idea worth a check mm -hmm. another interesting thing i've noticed this month by the way the smmt have started doing is they've changed the splits they have taken the mild hybrids and they have grouped them and split them out by diesel and petrol and group them. There's diesel, mild hybrid, diesel, petrol, mild hybrid, petrol. Battery electric vehicle, 
plug-in hybrid electric vehicle and hybrid electric vehicle are now the seven classifications there are so it actually makes it much easier to count stuff by what fuel you put in your car yes and uh, we will necessarily relying on tristan young's tweets because his is slightly different because it's year to date this month yeah because and we'll continue that a mild hybrid is basically the original fuel yeah well that's what this is this was starting to acknowledge and what's interesting about that actually is market shares Uh, and i say interesting in the widest possible sense of (laughs) um of the word interesting but if you add the the diesel mild hybrid diesel together you get 14.6 percent market share so diesel this year is 7.1 percent market share do you remember when diesels were over 50 percent when we started all of this Mm -hmm. so yeah 14.6 percent if you add your plug-in stuff your plug-in hybrids and your battery electric hybrids you are at i've got my maths now you are at 16 17 percent there are more vehicles you need to plug in as a percentage of of registrations than there are diesel vehicles these days. Yep. Quite significant. Obviously, the majority of mild hybrids uh, have been petrols, and they make up 57, 58.3% of of the market share. Battery electric vehicles, by the way, 9% these days. That's great. Well, yeah, up from uh, up from four point seven in in twenty twenty. So significant shift in fueling, obviously, uh, and diesel really, really out of out of contention. You're more likely to have to plug your car in than to have to fill it up from a diesel pump these days. Well, how many manufacturers are actually cut diesels from their ranges as well? Quite a lot. So not Quite just few, the yes. people are not choosing it; it's not there to well, be chosen as you know, much either. <sighs> Yes, yeah. I mean, it, it's all it gets all chicken and egg at that point, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? If I mean, they can't choose because, it; they won't buy yeah. it, and they won't. Yeah, yes, basically, in a word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do the top tens? I will do the top tens. So the top tens start at number ten with a favourite of mine, the Hyundai Kona, with two thousand and six registrations. At number nine is the perennially uh, supply-constrained Ford Fiesta at 2010. So only four... Well, read it one way or the other. The, the the Kona, they only registered four fewer than they did Ford Fiestas, or a Ford Fiesta only managed four more registrations than the Kona. Uh, next in is the Mini. At seventh is the... <laughs> Is the PCB favourite, the Mercedes-Benz <laughs> A-Class. Number six is the Audi A3. And, and by the way, we've got five five up the charts, and we're only at 2,300 registrations. Yeah. Uh, number five was the Volkswagen Golf with 2,362. Number four was the Ford Puma with only uh, 200 and something more. Number three was the Kia Sportage with 2,631. Number two was the Toyota Yaris with 3,001 registrations. Now, do we think that that comes back to the lack of chip shortage in Toyota's ability to avoid it? A lot of that, a lot of those supply constraints. Uh, yes, but also I think that perhaps from driving around that I have been doing, I have seen a bit of a change in demographics 
that I would normally in who is driving them. So I think mm. perhaps it's that plus this Yaris is more attractive to more people. I think so. And if you want to know more about that, then you can listen to our, our special edition where I had a week with the Toyota Yaris. Yes. I, I mean, I mean a new Toyota Yaris, not just, you know. Not just I'm his. Most weeks with a Toyota <laughs> Yaris, yeah. Uh, and number one, anyway, because we've digressed terribly there, uh, is the Volkswagen Polo with only 3,047 registrations. That's only 46 more than the Yaris, by the way. Uh, the Yaris, quite a jump over the Sportage, uh, which was at 2,631. So getting on for 400 more just there. Mm. Mm. So uh, all changed. That's very, that's, that's got the, the box and shaking it around a bit for, for, for that. Obviously, there's not a boatload of, uh, a boatload of Teslas uh, in, in this month. So, no, I did see someone talking about that because uh, there was somebody trying to say that the Tesla three was a monster, was a you know a great seller, and then somebody pointed out, yeah, once every three four months, yeah, once a quarter, once a quarter, yeah, it's a one- massive uh, But uh, in between times, there's, there's bog all. I mean, total number of other imports last month were 143. Mm. As opposed to when a Tesla boat comes in and it's thousands. Yeah, so it's five, six thousand, something like that. Yeah, whereas if you average it out over the year, the Model 3 will not be in the top 10. No. At all. At all. It'll be well below. It's just it peaks when they they bring in. No. Okay, let's do the spreadsheet of doom. And very much is. It really is. Uh, We're not joking this time. Essentially, most companies are down more than 15%, which was the figure we decided to start inserting as, as our cutoff. A while ago. Some are not quite as bad as that. Some are a little bit positive uh, and well done to them. Um, but generally, generally most are are down and most of them are quite heavily down as well. Uh, f- yeah. For example, um, let's just, I mean, I'm just going to uh, pick a, a few here. As we go, like if we look at Mercedes-Benz, they're down thirty three point eight two percent. So last year they managed to register ten thousand two hundred and fifty four. This year six thousand seven hundred and eighty six. So you know that's that's a massive dent for them. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't want to run through every one here because there are and that quite... by that is by no means the worst. No, not at all. Do you want to go through the very few ones we've highlighted in green? There are very few. So a bath is up twenty almost twenty seven percent. MG up almost 31 percent polestar award winners polestar this month award winners 3762 percent 309 yes uh, uh polestar regi- registers as opposed to eight last year which is which is where the big change subaru up 125 percent astonishingly but, you know, a low about <laughs> a very low starting point <laughs> just going to ignore him uh, suzuki up 22 percent so, so well done on that one. Just outside our normal 15% threshold, Hyundai were up almost 9.9%, and Volvo were up almost a percent. Basically, if I haven't mentioned your name, you've dropped quite considerably. Yes. Or your Genesis. <laughs> yes. Or Cupra, who didn't exist last year, really. Yeah. So, yeah, not, not, not good reading. Really, I mean, supply chain issues. Supply chain issues, big issue there. Yes, absolutely. Right, I'm going to move us on now. Mm-hmm. 
all about subscriptions, but fortunately, we're not talking about options this time. Hyundai is going to offer a, a monthly subscription for their electrified models, which will cover the insurance, the maintenance, the VED, repairs, roadside assistance, all that sort of stuff, all put into nice one nice lump sum. And they've called mm-hmm. this Motion, spelt M-O-C-E-A-N. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like the next Pixar movie to me. I fear Motion. we're about to enter a new period of really bad names. Yeah, <laughs> that it's like the C but with an M. Yes, <laughs> Your we are going to get so much grief from from yes. PR. I might switch off my uh, my phone, <laughs> but this is actually quite interesting now. There are a few companies out there that offer this, but not many manufacturers at the moment. However, Hyundai have been very vocal that they want to become mobility leaders, and this is all part of that. So what they're saying is from contracts that will be from three to 24 months and start at £339 per month. Which sounds like lots, but remember, that's practically anything, everything apart from the electricity and even then. It isn't if you go and look at what other people are offering and that that is actually a really good starting point. I don't know about Mm. if there's deposits or or that that sort of thing uh, and what £339 opens you up to, but that that opening number is is quite low compared to others. Now, this is uh, this service is only going to launch in Greater London at the moment, and then it's going to roll out to other cities in the UK. But I think, well, there's two ways to look at this. One is it's the further step to we will never own anything ever again as a service. But, but those who are already on the PCP, PHP or HP treadmill. Doesn't matter. This seems to this isn't going to make any difference to them, I wouldn't think. You know, apart no. from there isn't a big lump sum at the end. If you need a car from getting to A to B and you want it to be electric, it's the way to do it. Yeah. It seems to be if you if you don't you know, if it's just a way of getting about, then really it's mobility as a service or it's part it's a step on on the way to mobility as a service. Yeah, there are. Uh, I've mentioned there's a couple of other manufacturers. So JLR have the Pivotal service, that's slightly chunkier when it comes to the monthly amounts, and was originally before they changed the name to Pivotal, aimed at high mileage people. But I think they've tweaked it now that you can go and get shorter contracts uh, and stuff like that. But and also Volvo have their Care by Volvo, which probably most people will have seen an advert for although whether you've seen a, a jaguar land rover one i'm not sure i haven't really seen that advertised anywhere i have to say but i have no, definitely seen the volvo one put out um and around the place this is interesting because there are well there's obviously higher companies but then there's other companies coming into the space trying to offer the we can do swaps of cars and all this sort of stuff. I mean we've talked about it many times on here, haven't we? That we mm-hmm. you know, that as an idea sounds quite attractive for say say it was our, our family. His family, by the way. Yes. His family. For a couple yeah. of weeks of the year, having something larger that I could haul us all off to somewhere to go to a cabin in the woods or something like that would be brilliant. 
but the rest of the time round our normal route, we don't need anything that big. And to be able no, to swap... Not, not for dodging back and forth to schools and stuff. Yeah, to swap around and get something that is right for for the jobs you want to do. Uh, I, th- mm-hmm. I think the more companies that can offer that sort of thing, the quicker we will get to making... And this ties back to the whole active travel and how we have to think yeah. about how we do things, making the right choice for the job we want to do. Exactly. And that's that's the big deal with, with EVs and stuff is that, you know, it's only a few times a year generally when you need you need more than 200 miles range or whatever. Just quickly to clarify some of the stuff on the motion. Now, having gone to the website now and had a, had a poke, you can actually th- – this includes non-electric cars. There's only certain models in the range. So, for example, you can have an i twenty even, which is the own i twenty premium, uh, which is the only the only sort of non hybrid of any sort, as well as electric and plug in hybrids from the Hyundai range. It seems that three hundred and ninety nine a month gets you twenty four months in an Ionic electric premium with a thirty eight kilowatt hour battery over twenty four months, eight hundred miles a month, which is plenty. The thing that adds on to that, so that's 399 and then you select your age group for your insurance. So the cheapest insurance age group is 65 plus, which is £44 a month. So really the cheapest you're paying is £443 a month if you are over 65. If you're between 30 and 49, it's £71 a month, and that makes you £470 a month. And that's pretty much everything barring your electricity. I was going to say that's... I still sounds pretty good. Yeah, it is because you've got no depreciation. Yeah, right, did you say eight hundred a month? Yeah, you can you can up that, and it costs for twelve hundred miles. It's twenty five quid a month or whatever. I don't oh, know how variable it is. Yeah, maybe it's not you bad can at do all. top ups. You know, like you do with your phone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't you need know the extra data or something. Anyway, sorry, we're we're posting sorry, we're, we're going up. We're di- we're digressing terribly as I go off and knows about this, but there's loads. But it's quite interesting. Yeah, worth a peak. peak. Yeah, uh, I can see how this would be advantageous to many, many people, Mm -hmm. particularly those that don't really care about cars; they just want and transport. What will be interesting is whether or not uh, dealers push them towards using it, Mm. because you can do it all online as well. Anyway, talking of pushing Mm. us, why don't you um, tell us about BMW and? I love gamification in a car. I'm one of those people who has to turn off the instant miles per gallon display. Otherwise, I just start getting slower and slower and slower <laughs> as I want the numbers to go higher. Uh, it's also because I'm a miserable type Scott. But BMW is hoping to incentivize owners of its uh, plug-in hybrids to cover as many electrical-driven miles as possible with the introduction of e-drive zones uh, across the UK and Ireland. This is part of something called BMW Points Program. Uh, and the idea is it offers you two points for each mile driven in those zones with the engine off. And once you've reached 3,200 points, or what's that, 1,600 miles driven on electric mode in these zones, you get £10 of credit yeah. uh, that you can then redeem for charging credit and it goes up and if you get seven and a half thousand points and you actually get 25 quid not just 20 quid and 14 and a half thousand points you get 50 quids worth of charging which let's face it is what six months is quite a lot of fuel when it comes to electrics 
there will be geofenced e-drive zones in Bath, Belfast, Dublin, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Limerick, Liverpool, and Manchester, as well as Birmingham and London, which hosted a pilot scheme uh, last year. So ULES places. ULES places. The scheme is available to owners of all 330E, 530E, 545E, 745E, X330E, and X545E. Uh, models with the latest infotainment platform, which you'll probably have to pay a subscription for because it's BMW. That's how you qualify for it. It's an interesting one because the 330Es and the 530Es are up there in the plug-in hybrid vehicles least likely to ever be (laughs) plugged in by a company car driver. Yes. Quota. And the question is, Will they care about this or not? And will it drive their behavior? Because uh, these are very much, I, I, every, almost every time, so every time I see one of these that's in a flat color, i.e., white, I think there goes someone who only cares about their benefit in kind. Yeah. And it shouldn't be the case that my 30 year old Mercedes can hassle and then overtake one of these modern BMWs on country roads. That shouldn't actually happen unless somebody really doesn't. Yeah, but if care you're if you're just going mass market, you're selling to so many now, as opposed to you know you're not the yeah. driver's car anymore. You're the we yeah. want to be on every drive car, mm-hmm. and that's what Over-dured. Audi, BMW, Mercedes have all gone for. They yeah. have, and, yeah. and they have been very successful at it because you know mm-hmm. we look at the monthly registration figures, and you see there's. There's typically a, a three-pointed star in there somewhere, and the BMWs are not far off. There's three an Audi there. <laughs> you know, so they've pushed it, and now I mean, I'm a bit conflicted with this. I think it's a really good idea, by the way. Let's let's not get my worry about who buys them as opposed to whether they're good cars because they are good cars. So, but I think it's a good idea. Just to because I've been thinking about that. So to address what your your thoughts on that. If it's somebody who's part or who gets their car via a company car scheme where they have to pay for their own fuel and all this sort of stuff because they're given mm. a lump sum, I think this will encourage them to plug in. Yes. Because it's money out of their own pocket. If it's somebody with a, a company fuel card, won't care. Will yeah. not care unless they're the sort of person who would care anyway. Yeah. This, isn't uh, going, I, this yes, is not going to push them in or nudge them into doing it. But isn't it quite a good idea? Uh, it's the gamification plus uh, plus a carrot. I just, I, I, I feels just yeah, on the I, cuspy bit, and I also think they're a bit stingy on the on the miles you have to do to get some is money quite off. Quite a lot of miles. Quite a lot of miles. <laughs> that's that's sixteen hundred miles in a city. That's a lot of miles. It, it is. Yeah. Well, it depends where you live, of course. If you live in a in a city and you're always going out. Hmm. Then, then you reach that yeah. relatively quickly. But I know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's. I think the the general concept of the idea is is probably good. Um, I'm conflicted with it. That's if that's not clear. <laughs> uh, yes, because yeah, which I, is pretty much as I expected to be perfectly honest. Whenever I'm, I I'm not this saying it's order. it's bad, but uh, little bits of it just feel a little bit uncomfortable to me. That they'll be tracking it, you, Andrew. It, well, it's it They're does. Following it's, you. No, no, no. It's not that, but it is a little bit of your uh, citizen score. Oh, you're a good person, therefore you get this reward, and that that doesn't bother me because I am a good person. Uh, that, 
you not done anything wrong, what have you got to be worried about? Oh, let's not start on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's poking the bear, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Anyway, let's talk. Let's talk about tracking in another with another way. <laughs> let's move on. Yes. Tell me about what Google Maps are doing, Andrew. <laughs> yes, Google Maps are now going to warn those of us who are trying to plan a route if our route will go through an area that has emission charges. So, for example, the Eula zone in London, but also the ones that are dotted around the UK now. So we've got the likes of Birmingham, we've got Bath, Liverpool are talking about doing one. Manchester is definitely going to be doing one, but we don't know how mad that's yeah, going but, to be yet or yeah, not. Yeah, that, that's going to ramp up. Yes. Ramp uh, Nottingham look like they need to do one. So this this is actually becoming more and more important. So on this one is they're going to they're tell you that there is in a low emission zone uh, and they're going to tell you what the fees are to go in there and they'll tell you uh, what the fine will be if you don't pay. So when this rolls out now, in I think it's this month, it's going to start with Amsterdam, Barcelona, Berlin, London and Paris. Sounds like a good road trip to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe we can <laughs> take a car that isn't you, Les, and a car that is <laughs> compliant, yeah. just to check. <laughs> but it's an interesting and there are other services that already do this but what i didn't realize until i read through this article is um how popular google maps is because it's apparently according to this article i'm not sure this is right but it's claimed to be the most widely used navigation app now that may be that people use it to plan but then when it comes to the actual driving they use something else yes Yes. I don't really use it for anything these days, to be perfectly honest. I, yes. I'd use it for ETAs. So, or just generally, this, this journey should be two and a half hours long or not type thing. So I've got an idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, don't, I do not use them for turn by turn or anything. No. But, no, no. but I, I thought that's an interesting and it's a, good, it's a good step. And we're going to see more of this sort of thing, I feel. I anticipate that, you know, where with Google Maps that you get the options that you're in the car, train, walk, bus. I presume mm, there'll be a mm. scooter one soon um, or or active travel. I would imagine so. I would imagine active travel at some point. But, of course, remember, they tend to be guided more by what's happening in, on the, yeah, yeah. In the US mm. first. So I wouldn't be surprised because I don't think – I don't think there's the same push for active travel. While there are most of these scooter providers, um, in fact, I think there are fewer than there were on the west coast mm. of the US. Then, uh, then, then I, I don't think there's that same squeeze for active travel uh, in their home market as there maybe is in the UK and also in London. Then there aren't oh, there aren't yet any electric scooter trials taking place. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I'm just said so that those of us who are scattered around the country, it tends to take, to take a little yeah. bit longer. Whereas I would love if you could do navigate your voice scooter navigation. Well, I mean, it, it all yeah. ties into the can I have this one app that tells me how I can get from here to here the most efficiently with all the different modes, please. And I know that's something it's you're the after. whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, less so than I was, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. The whole, the whole sort of. As I said, mobility as a service. Do it. There we go. I can pay for it all in one go. It's a set price. I bought my train ticket, my scooter rental, yep. my 
or my car parking or whatever to get from here in my house to London and yeah. home again. Yeah. Right, take us to the shocking news of the week, actually. Well, I do feel that this is actually non-news, to be perfectly frank. It has been quite a quiet news week. Uh, remember that most of Europe is on holiday, and that means that the PR departments are on holiday, so people aren't making big announcements. Uh, so this one has come from out with Europe, and it's that Renault Group is seeking to form a partnership with Geely to build hybrid cars for China and some of the Far Eastern markets. Just, just remind me, Alan, in that area, is Japan anywhere near there? Japan is, but here's the thing. So it is listed, and it does this This article uh, in Autocar by Felix Page does say to build hybrid cars for the local market, which I'm taking as meaning China. And obviously, if you're importing cars into China, then you get hit with 25, 30% import tax, something like that. But Nissan has... Somewhere between 20 and 30%. But that doesn't matter. So to build cars and to build factories in China, you have you basically have to partner with a local They are removing that. They to are do removing that. that. They are removing it. But Renault seems to have chosen to, to partner with mm-hmm. Geely. Now, it makes sense to partner with Geely because Geely is actually quite good at this whole hybrid car platform thing. And at scale. <laughs> Well, exactly, and at scale. So all the Volvos, so the XC30s built over there. There's the Link and whatever, Link and Co. There's all those other brands that we see people who work for Geely sharing <laughs> uh, on social yes. media. And so we know they exist, right? And they're very good at it at scale using world-class technology, mm. really. And that's before we even get stuff like London, you know, taxis and all these kind of things. So it makes a lot of sense if Renault's going to do some local Renault models to basically share a Geely Mm. platform and have what turns out being a Chinese market Renault badged and styled version of the Volvo XC30. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. And it, which is just for China. So. So it's going to be those models what we don't see here. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I can understand. And therefore, that. who cares who they yeah, partner well, with? I bet Nissan are still not impressed. But they can't partner with Nissan because Nissan's yeah, Japanese. But Nissan already have this production one. in China. Yes, but it'll be Nissan with I know, such but they such could a company. Just so, so I mean, some of the you've got to remember. Yeah, yes. Um, but you've got to remember that that you know sometimes you end up with BMW and Mercedes being made in the same fact. Well, you certainly used to be BMW and Mercedes and stuff being made in the same factory in China because both BMW and Mercedes were partnered with the same Chinese auto manufacturer, and it would be someone like Chery or SAIC mm. or someone. I probably just made a whole number of of full pas in there, which is slightly wrong, but the gist of it, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. what I've said is correct. Yeah. But I, I, I was not. I, I mean, I, I still, and I, I understand what you're saying. And I, the, yes, you're, you're right in what you're saying. I still feel Nissan are probably a little bit miffed at that. I. But then again, there's I, I doubt Nissan because and Renault eating each other from the inside anyway. Yeah, but the Chinese don't really buy Japanese brands. No, no, I can. Um, that's understandable. Um, from mm, for, for, for history. Uh, <laughs> Yes. 
yes, because history. So, so you know, it, it probably works out better that way. I don't think it's as big a news as people are making out. I think it makes uh, economic sense at a local level where any of your normal brands wouldn't wouldn't really work out. Yep. Well, I think that's the end of the first part. It is. Brings us, of course, to Guilt Minute. Uh, that quick break in show, we ask for Tad's financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. Really a chance for us to remind you that there's a number of ways that you can help support the Motoring Podcast. First of all, first one of which, uh, as I usually say, is to become a patron. You can pledge a certain amount of money each month, a small token uh, of money each month, and different amounts of, of pledge gain you different levels of, of commitment, uh, including, if you're masochist enough, the ability to watch the show are recorded live. There are other ways to support us uh, financially, uh, and to find out how to do that, if you go to motoringpodcast.com slash support, then it's all just there. We understand that people don't necessarily have any money for uh, any money spare, so one of the best ways of all to support us is to a subscribe and follow us uh, from your podcast player of choice. Uh, and that also means you get every show as they're released. And it also gives you a chance to like and rate the show in whatever way that supplier lets you do so. And the last way, of course, is that you can recommend us to your friends or colleagues because word of mouth is absolutely the best way of sharing what you That like. is statistically proven. I have been reading a lot in the it last is. week from there's been a lot of um podcast industry uh, announcements and stats and presentations because there was podcast land or big podcast podcast movement sorry was out in America this week and a lot saying that the best way for a podcast to get its name known is for listeners to share it that is by hands down yeah. the best way. So those of you that have done that, and um, we know that you do, we thank you very much. And continue to do so. so. That is very kind of you. Yeah. It, it means more to other people if, if folk are looking for a looking for a new podcast to listen to, say so on social media, and then someone else steps in before us and goes, we listen to the Motoring yeah. Podcast. Because if I go along and go, Motoring Podcast, and my bio and Twitter says, founder and host of the Motoring Podcast, <laughs> bit biased yes. <laughs> you know i might i might have some skin in the game <laughs> or something yep anyway andrew new new car news yes i'm very excited <laughs> a new vehicle is out for the poshest of rebels yes. isn't it uh, morgan released images and information on the plus four cxt uh, which is an overland adventure car that they have built based on the plus four in uh, partnership with rally raid uk and it's sensational i want it so bad <laughs> uh, yes I think, yeah, it's it's you amazing. Know, you know that it's um, it's so cool. Uh, the Grand Tour where they had the beach buggies. It's right. Yes. And so James May turns up in his one, which is very uh, honors the beach buggy original. Mm, so Myers yes. Max, and then stuff. Clarkson turns up with his purple, <laughs> very vivid painted thing that just about had an engine in the back. And you sort of go, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. they're, they're, both those are cool for different reasons. But when I saw Hammond turn up in his 
is one that had been similarly tweaked with the roll cage and the spotlights and the raised up and all. And this just reminds me so much of that, but it just, it looks so special. So um, you, what you've got to imagine is if a Morgan plus four and an aerial nomad yes. had a baby, then that is, that is this. Uh, okay. I love the side. It's the, fantastic. The, on the front wings, they've, or the front sides, they've got um, leather cases, which just look super, very much Morgan. They've got wheels hanging out the back. It's, I did see four by four and professional pickup try to claim that this is almost a pickup so they could cover it as well that's how special this yeah. is well but we know what phil's like he's playing yes. anything like that and, so and he's quite right to yeah. do so but i think that's an indication of how special this looks and sounds there's only eight of them going to be made they say up to now i think that might increase i think so and they to for you to get the keys of one, you need to hand over a hundred and seventy thousand pounds before tax. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's just yeah, but but amazing. But, but isn't it cooler than most supercars? Oh, it's just around that, superb. That, that now, price. right, okay. I was I was thinking about this, and whilst I think it's perfect for me, I think this is very much an Allen car. <laughs> because actually, it's yes. pretty exclusive and we know anyone who listens yeah. here knows alan has that as quite a high on his list of priorities it's quirky yeah there's no denying that mm-hmm. it's two-seater mm. we know alan doesn't like to carry passengers really if he can help it uh no. it's a soft top it's been a while since he's had a soft top i mean he must be missing it uh and yeah if well, if not he this gets summer. to um, if he gets to test one now, I expect to hear the phrase "surprisingly practical" being deployed <laughs> as he tells us how he can pack like three weeks worth of holiday <laughs> gear in this thing. Somehow, the only thing that's missing off this uh, the pictures that we've been given is a is a roof tent on top of the the roll cage you know yeah i know but that would just a that, small roof tent would that be would so awesome just icing absolutely. on the cake that, though. at that point i'm selling my children i am buying, <laughs> um then robbing banks because i'll need to make up the rest of the cash and then buying one of these <laughs> okay his kids aren't worth much by the way yeah no it's fantastic and and by the way well done to dale vinton on car and classic uh, for for describing this as Mad Maximilian, that really that made me chuckle. That was it was like so. Which version of the story will we include in the show notes? That one there with the yep. awesome headline. But well done, Morgan. Uh, uh, yes, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Okay, I think you need to take us to something else that seems quite special. The next one, as I, as I said, most of the most of the traditional PR departments are very quiet, and there aren't really any many launches right at the moment. Uh, so, so yes, it's all the interesting ones of this week. So this one, this is the Radford sixty two two, which comes from Radford, which is fronted by Jensen Button and, and Anstead. You may have heard of them from some race driving thing and also some tele programs uh, and and their own car company already of course and the 62.2 is essentially that uh, jotter sketch uh, made real 
you know, the one that you did in the, the sort of top right and the margin and then had to write out lines about drawing and your drawing on your and your notebooks at school mm. and stuff. So it is a modern interpretation of the Lotus sixty two on essentially the now let me get the my hang on, I need to get my Lotus model correct here. Emira. There we go. The new Lotus Emira that was just launched the other week. Uh, essentially on the Emira uh, platform because uh, it uses the Toyota Drive, Toyota Drive 3.5 liter supercharged V6 that the Emira uses. Um, and again, just like the Emira, you get a choice of 16 manual or a seven speed dual clutch uh, transmission. It is so low, it is only uh, 1.2 meters tall. Yep. And just the haunches, the things. It's got all the curves, guys. It's got all the curves. It's got all the lines. There'll be two specifications, classic and gold leaf. Uh, the basic classic produces around 430 brake horsepower. The gold leaf get uh, essentially a blueprinted engine with upgraded pistons, conrods, camshafts, and mapping at about 500 brake horsepower. Nobody knows all the big numbers, the proper numbers just yet. It looks fantastic. There will only be 62 of them made. There's a theme here, you know, 62 to 62, making 62 of them. Uh, it's based on the Lotus 62. Supposedly, it can be it will be able to be used on a day-to-day -day basis with modern technology, a modern practical interior, but nobody's seen any pictures of the interior yet. Oh, I don't care. It just looks really good. I love the wheels. Yeah, and anyone thinking, oh, this is a, this is going to be one of those cars built in a shed thing, so the tech's not going to be great. That's not – according to the spec, don't that's think not so. true because there's going to be a, a six-inch digital driver's display instead of the traditional dials. There's going to be Wi-Fi connectivity, integrated LED lights, customizable digital switch inputs, Bluetooth, all that sort of – you know, they do talk about the comfort of this as well. Um, in the quotes from mm -hmm. Jensen Button, that comfort was an important thing of this. So it's not going to be the uh, well. It's it's based on a race car, so it will be awful on the road. That is not what they're aiming mm. for in any shape or form. No prices have been announced yet. By the way, uh, it's not just we're forgetting to tell you that. I imagine this is going to be rising towards the half million pound mark uh, easily. Yeah, I I would not be surprised if the number began with a four. That, that's where I'm thinking it's going to be in the 400s. But that's that's pure supposition, guys. The firm, and this is the closing paragraph of the Autocar article that you can click through on the show notes, and do because the, the images are amazing. The firm says customers will oversee every step of their car development, including the design stage, engineering milestones, and project updates. So to do that, that's sort of like BAC mono levels of involvement. It's getting so that, that way, yeah. costs a lot of money. Just, mm -hmm. just because of the time. You can also choose to collect your car from Radford's base in California. But yes, I like that a lot. Well done. Well mm. done on do mm -hmm. releasing that and making a splash that they did. Uh, lunchtime read this week, Andrew. It was one that you found. Yes. Uh, and I thought it was excellent. Yes, this is... Uh, it's been a while since we've featured anything from Gavin Braithwaite-Smith directly. Um, because he's been involved with a new project. Again, another special edition you can go listen to. Uh, Alan talked to the uh, editor and the owner of... Classic Retro Modern. 
article is an opinion piece from Gavin. And it says, why your village needs an electric car charging point. Now, I remember sitting down with Mr. Braithwaite-Smith over a coffee in Devon three or four years, four years ago, and we discussed this and things very similar to this. And at the time I said to him, it was a brilliant idea. So what he is... He's taking all the no, credit, folks. He's taking all no, of the credit. That sounds like you were I taking credit. I was confirming to Gavin that he has a brilliant idea, is what I'm confirming. Hmm. Um, but this go- discusses about how... Um, well, it's a mix of two things. It's how to get quicker adoption of EVs in the countryside and also how to keep rural villages alive when so many amenities are shutting down, particularly in the mm-hmm. last two years they've been badly hit obviously as has the whole country but the rural areas and rural communities seem to have got a real battering on that side of things i do encourage you to read through this i'm struggling to see a downside to this no i think it's pretty and it's a brilliant piece which has absolutely got the idea right to the point where you go this needs to be sent to the government and mm-hmm. for them to go, oh, actually, if you've got the rural affairs minister get hold of this and say, look, we can do something good here. It, it really is that level. That's I'm, I'm serious. I'm not messing. I'm not trying to wind people up, but I, I think it's that good an idea. Yeah. No, I think it's a crack. Absolutely crack. You have um, a little addition here, though, Alan. Well, I have a, yes, I have a long, long read. <laughs> it's far more than the lunchtime. Trust me, it's about 10 and a half hours read. It's a serious book. Actually, it is a serious book, but it's also a thick book. Uh, it's called Power Play, Elon Musk, Tesla, and the Bet of the Century. It's by Tim Higgins. I'm reading it at the minute, having paid for it with my own money. It is really good, really interesting, and I can't recommend it enough. It's an impassionate by which I don't mean it's boring. Uh, I mean, it is it is uh, a balanced view in the story of Tesla right the way back from uh, a route from its founding to Musk's involvement uh, and working its way through. I've got about as far as uh, we're just starting on autopilot and full self-drive and all that stuff. Okay, the autopilot. Bit. Yeah, that's as, I'm about 60% through the book uh, at the minute. It's really good. I recommend. I mean, it's not cheap at the minute um, still because it is very new, but it's it's well worth your time. One way you can get it for free is as an audio book. If you want the audio book for free and you've not used Audible for a long, long time, then you can sign up from motoringpodcast.com slash support and use the link there to get yourself a free trial for a month. And that gets you a free audio book version of it. But there's Kindle editions, hardcover and paperback. And, of course, you'll be able to get it in all other physical booksellers uh, as well. Um, it's just the link in the show notes will be to a Kindle, Amazon Kindle affiliate link. Be to an affiliate link, so we might get a small cut of that. But that's not why I'm sharing it. I'm sharing it because it's darned interesting. And as I say, I bought it with my own money. Mm, excellent. I'll have to have a little shifty at that one. Does sound interesting. It is. It's 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 really it's good. Right for the list of the week, I am going to take us to an auto car slideshow of cars that got totally <laughs> forgotten. Which do you remember now, Alan? <laughs> I think a lot of them deserve to be forgotten. To be perfectly uh, honest, I agree that there's some in there that really should be forgotten. Um, 
mm. yes, that I, I concur on that on that front. But is there any in there that you think, oh, you've been a bit hard done to? Yes, the Strathcarran SC five A. Okay. So the Lotus Elise style uh mid-engined rear-wheel drive sports car that came out on sort of limited type approval, but then the changes, the rules all changed and it became illegal to sell it as a built car, which is why only 20 were made. Uh, but it was very, very mm-hmm. cool. What about you? Because there's 35, so I think there's enough that you can you can pick well, one too. I've gone for the Trident Clipper from 1967, which started out as a TVR in the 65 Geneva Motor yes. Show. Uh, and then it went independent, lasted a decade, and they sold, made just 200. Now, this... Yeah. The, it's the a good-looking thing. is like I a think. TR6 that they've put a coupe body hmm. on top. And the front reminds me of the original GTV from Alpha, sort of. There's a sloping yeah. nose, and there's, there's little... It's almost like eyebrows in the... In the <laughs> in the front of the car as it goes over the lights. But I, I think it's quite a nice-looking car, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, so many in this just are a bit amateur yes. hour looking. Uh, the the other one that I was going to choose, not because I like the car, but because I think it's got the most British name ever, is the Rochdale Olympic. <laughs> which I learned about a few years ago at a car show. Um and it's just the most amazingly British name. We built it in our head, <laughs> type of thing. But yeah, there's there's lots of stuff, all types of cars, classes, groups, and stuff in mm-hmm. cars in in there as well. So an interesting list just to go through and go. I oh, want yes. There's, there's there's plenty in there I have never heard of. Funnily enough, yeah. But most of them, there's a reason yeah. for that for a yeah. lot of them. And then some of the Italian ones, you think, well, it's not Ferrari or a Maserati, so that's why they yep. got forgotten. Yeah. Right, do you want to um, take us to our and finally? Yes, this week's and finally was meant to be last week's and finally. It's what happens when two friends of the show yes. start talking on social media and having ideas and discussing them and then following them through. Thanks to conversations between uh, our mate uh, Plasan's design director, Nia Khan, and the CEO of Mission Motorsport, Jim Cameron, they decided, wouldn't it be cool to take a sand cat, a seven-ton armored off-road military truck, and take it rallying around the rally course at Silverstone? And of course, it wouldn't properly be a rally car in Nia's mind if it didn't have martini stripes. <laughs> Lo and behold, a, a sand cat with martini stripes did spend a day at Silverstone Rally School. Uh, or half a day at Silverstone Rally School being driven by some of the beneficiaries from Mission Motorsport. Now, I sort of knew something was happening when a few weeks ago I, I got a, I don't know if it was a WhatsApp, I think it might have been a WhatsApp, uh, or a DM on Twitter from Nia going, so, you're busy on Monday afternoon. Uh, if not, do you want to come along to Silverstone? Can't tell you what it's about, but it'd be really cool if you can make it. And it was like, I can't, I have meetings <laughs> and deadlines, and I'm going all day next week. So I wasn't able to make it, uh, and yeah, yeah, this is this is what it was, which was a real, a real shame. Quite, I was upset at the time, even before I knew what it was. But 
now I've seen it, it's even worse. It's very cool. If you go follow the link uh, in the show notes, then there is a short YouTube video about it. And of course, it helps outline some of the really cool stuff that Mission Motorsport does to support people who have served uh, in, in the armed forces and had, uh, had to leave for, for whatever reason. Yep. Uh, what this video also did was underline my opinion that I think a Sankat would be a perfect crack windscreen family hauler. Did you hear, so if you if so those of you who heard the last uh, last Zoom Zoomers Nia was talking about this uh, a bit and he was pointing out that you know what they'd actually planned to do was to give uh, a Sankat to Mission Motorsport but it turns out you can't you just can't donate a 7 ton armored vehicle <laughs> to a registered charity there are rules against it so unfortunately weren't able to do it but this one is in the country at the minute being appraised by various people as well as top gear magazine uh, and autocar and and others from the week when it was on the cover of all of them quite rightly so very cool very cool indeed uh well done near well done jim just just awesome i love story. it when mates get together and chat and come up with mad exactly. ideas that are just brilliant <laughs> and an unforgettable day out for people who really have deserved yep. it absolutely fantastic well that pretty much does us for this week doesn't it i think so so last week there was a special edition uh, all about the uh, Toyota Yaris, which I've already plugged in the course of this rather long podcast. The other thing we forgot to do last week was to thank you all for voting for us in the Quite the Thing uh, Independent Podcast Awards. We were in the toughest and biggest category with some ridiculous number of entries. Thousands 20 or something? of votes. Thousands of they they made a big point of saying that this was by far the most voted for category, and you had to scroll right to the bottom of the ready page to do yes. it, and it was a bit of a hassle to vote. So that we came fourth in that massive category with thousands and thousands and thousands of votes. Thank yes. you, thank you, every single person who went through the hassle of voting. We really, really appreciate it. It is noted. You do rock blown away that we we ended up fourth that was amazing yeah i i didn't really expect us to get no i i didn't particularly when i looked at some of the competition uh as well when Mm. i looked into them because some of them a lot of them i didn't know and that's part of the reason for the awards as well is to help spread the news of independent podcasters but for us to do that and and the fact we're we're a car podcast you know and car podcasts well some some people get a lot of downloads because they are well known we're a car podcast without famous people let's qualify that (laughs) we have never been on the telly famous in our own microphones that's as famous as we are yes that's it that's as (laughs) as good as it gets really isn't it so yeah that was that was awesome thank you so much everyone though really really i was stunned to hear our name announced Mm. i really was yes yeah genius Thank you. Exactly what he said. And I don't say that very often. Anyhow, wrapping up, because we have waffled quite a lot tonight. Uh, don't forget, folks, that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about all the different ways you can support us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. 
Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to commiserate the fact that you couldn't make Silverstone on a wet day to drive the Sandcat around, what's the best way for them to do that personally? No, no, to watch others drive the Sandcat around. It wasn't for my, definitely not for my benefit. Uh, but the best way is to use Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B R A D L E Y. Uh, we'll be back very soon but until then i've been alan bradley i've been andrew clues and safe motoring